0: Welcome to Homestyle with Shana Blaze, thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red
1: Energy today. And yes, you are listening to Homestyle with Shayna Blaze, thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. I'm Jane Nield and I get to jump in a studio with Shayna every couple of weeks and we are so excited to be able to make a conversation happen, Shana, which... I would have thought had happened several times before, but apparently on the block, you don't
0: just hang out with the contestants and just, you know, shoot the breeze with no. them. And my, most people tend to think, oh, you know, they must have been upset with you and this. And I say, oh, I wouldn't know. I see it when you see it. Whoa. Yeah. So <laughs> it's really interesting to be
1: able to rewind the clock a little and be able to have a chat with, look, I've got to say two of my favourite contestants who are on the block from uh, 2020, and that is Daniel and Jade. And I think mostly that is because I grew up in South Australia in a little place that's a lot closer to the city than these guys live, Um, but it was dusty, it was that same kind of rural South Australian vibe as Daniel and Jade who uh, live on a beautiful big property, farmers, builders, designers and contestants on the block who, we loved your work on the block guys. So Daniel and Jade, welcome to
0: Homestyle, thanks to Red Energy, how are you?
1: Hello, how are you?
2: Thank you for having us. It's
0: very exciting because I, I know a couple of times, like even like when we were um, sort of going to judging on the block, I got to actually say hello to a few more contestants, but I literally never spoke to you guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. We
3: were, we were pretty keen to yeah. uh, to hit the nine o'clock and stick to the rules and get out of there. So we're like <laughs> Up afterwards, but never happened. I always wanted to know where the extra points went that we never got, but we never really got to meet up. Mm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so, Daniel, obviously you weren't sort of sweet-talking Shana behind the scenes and, and asking for those extra couple of points. What did you find most challenging about your time on the block? Was it just not really having any idea whether you were kind of hitting the brief, and I mean, you won some great weeks, like Kitchen Week, I think
0: it was, and yeah, you know, stunning sort of- custom kitchen that was just
3: unbelievable. Was it just yeah. hard
1: to know where you were at with the judges, given like we've established that you weren't sort of chatting behind the scenes?
3: Yeah, look now, now a little bit of time's passed. I've had a lot of time to reflect on it, and one of the things that we really struggled with was our bathrooms. We couldn't get on. Un- couldn't understand why the judges just didn't like our bathrooms. But, um, look, that's the way it goes.
0: Yeah, and I think it's, it's one of those things about not liking your bathrooms and people go, but you don't like what I'm doing. It's actually completely different for that. And I think the hardest thing about the block that you were on is that you were sticking for a specific design style per house and you guys had a really difficult one. And I think it's it's hard to get those formulas going when you don't know what the rules are. And it's, it's a very hard design style to actually latch on and then make it contemporary. And, you know, it, it was difficult, not that it wasn't liking yours, is that some others were nailing their design style better, like working with that era. And I think that's where it comes down to, and especially in a competition, it is about who's doing it best on the day and so it wasn't that we hated your bathrooms it's just that it was a difficult design era to actually make glamorous and gorgeous and other people were able to do that in their
3: design style does that does that make sense it sure does we definitely we definitely figured out after a couple of bathrooms in I think Neil might have mentioned a couple of times that it's very much on trend for 2020 but we just weren't quite getting enough period details into it so we yeah. definitely found it pretty tricky to get that in there. That was
0: for sure. I have to agree because it wasn't a design style that would you would flourish in and want to sort of be with all the time.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think the opulence of the 1930s and the bathrooms and, you know, the attention to detail, you know, when it came to picking tiles and colours and things like that, I found it really tricky because obviously, you know, it wasn't just about what I liked from a design point of view, but it was also the cost of having to, you know, then get the tiler and the builder on board to actually produce what I wanted as well. And, you know, for the tiler, he spent so long, you know, just trying to perfect, you know, the fish scales, for example. And, you know, to put him in that position for three bathrooms and then obviously to let the budget allow it as well was really tricky.
0: Yeah, and that's, the, I think also that's part of, you know, there's only so much TV that can make it onto the screen in, in what is done and, you know, we see a lot of the stuff behind the scenes but there's a lot that we don't see as well and to try and get that in a reveal it, it is quite difficult and so much more is said that never makes it and and I think the thing is also, you know, it, it is a case of what's available to you and we, you know, we were in that stage of like, pre-lockdown and post-lockdown and how things were done in very different ways from the beginning to the end and sort of the limitations got harder and harder.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, we agree. <laughs> how are you feeling now, though? You're like Because I think everybody... At the time, it, it's brutal. And so many people come up to me and say, oh, I've, I've applied for the block. It's going to be amazing. We're going to win lots of money. And I go, do you really want to put yourself through that? So for you guys, did you realise how hard it was going to be?
3: Yeah, look, for me especially, I I really found it challenging not having Jade there for a lot of the time at the start of the week watching you shopping, um, knowing just how close you are when you're home. But even though the shops are closed or whatever, being in Melbourne, you spend a lot of time away from the block. So that was tricky for me
0: yeah yeah
2: and i think daniel and i as husband and wife as parents to our children we are you know very united we we constantly talk we're constantly you know surrounded by each other you know obviously checking in day to day um minute to minute sometimes you know depending on the circumstances so you know on the block you kind of when you go out shopping you know i i was particularly on my own you know so I had to look to, you know, the sales assistant or, you know, maybe there was a friendly person in the shop at the time that I could talk to. But I relied heavily on, you know, the, the shop people, you know, the assistants to help me out. And, and that was really hard because Daniel is, is my sounding board, you know, and, and I think he was a bit the same back at the block. You know, he had to make friends really, really quickly with a builder. <laughs> he only just met and it was like, oh, okay, yep. Now you're my, you know, you're my go-to and not my wife. So, yeah, let <laughs> just try to find that balance.
1: <laughs> Jade, how far are you from the closest uh, tile place or furnishing shop where you live on Gaynor Farm in the mid-north of South Australia? I'm guessing coming to Melbourne and just having an array of incredible places would have been almost sensory overload for you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yeah, once I got my head around the driving there and all the traffic lights... <laughs> You know, then I had to get my head into a space of, okay, now I need to calm down from the anxiety attack I just had in the car because I, you know, was freaking out. How do I get there? You know, am I going to make the wrong turn? How many, you know, things did I do wrong along the way? You know, am I going to get a fine? And now I have to compose myself, walk into a shop, put my head in front of a camera and pick something. Yeah. And hope to heck, and hope to heck that the choice is going to be right. And the the choices
0: have to be instant, don't they? Like I know sometimes they show that, you know, oh, you're you're questioning or, you know, oh, what am I doing? Am I doing the right thing? You're asking people. But once you make a decision, that's it. That's it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's locked in. And if you want to change it, it is impossible because you know that you're losing time. Every time you change your, your mind, you're losing precious, precious time because you just don't you don't have that on the block. There's no time to second guess yourself. There's no time to, you know, undo a decision.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what people struggle with. Oh, next time I do it this way, well, you can't next time. Or All you can do nah. is listen to the mistakes or, you know, the feedback of what you get for one, you know, room and, and then go, okay, well, we don't have enough money to redo that or fix it. We'll go back to you know, we'll take that to the next room. And so it's trying to sort of learn and grow through that whole process. Um, How did you feel like you grew in that process?
2: I must admit, I'm, I'm a very anxious person normally. So, you know, obviously we have a sick daughter. So that's all been built up because of that and so you know making decisions and not having people come up with the answers or what's there straight away you know it's been a bit of a struggle you know as a as a parent and with our situation we're always pushing for what we want in the block you can't be pushy you can't be that kind of person you have to learn to relax and be patient and and just be kind and embracing of what's around you and the people who are there to help you um so i think that as a person i grew in that sense you know just let it happen if it's gonna happen, if it's the right choice to make. It will work. It will be right. Trust in those around you. You know, even people you don't know, you know, like I said before, our builder, you know, almost he almost looks identical to Daniel. So he sort of became the second second husband. I said, I've got two husbands on the block now. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> You know, like you do, you become really close to these people. So yeah. it was a it was a big trust thing as well for me, you know, to, to let down my guard and trust people and let them in and allow them to build an amazing house, you know, with us, you know, because it was something that we wanted to do for a really long time, you know, four years of trying and, you know, finally getting onto the block. It sort of yeah, it was kind of like, Oh, this is a bit of our baby. We don't wanna let you in, but we have to. That's so pretty I think nice. in that way we grew.
1: Yeah. And how did Lincoln, Hayden, and Isla cope without you? I'm assuming family really had to sort of step up for you. But I mean, it's not like you were just down the road. It's a big hike, and of course, with COVID restrictions, back to the farm in SA. Was it harder on them than you thought, or are they just so super proud that you managed to, you know, cash in nearly half a million dollars?
3: <laughs> yeah, look, lucky enough being kids, they don't care about the money. They they don't really have any concept of it. They just think mum and dad have got plenty all the time. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, pretty um, much. I- Probably one we were a bit worried about starting school, she starting reception. Mm. But it was our eldest boy Lincoln that we noticed when we got home that he was very clingy. He didn't want to go to the, the AFL footy two hours away in Adelaide with his mates. He just now nah, to stay home, and he didn't want to go out of the house much. And we just noticed for probably about oh a good month he was very mm. clingy towards us. Yeah. And whenever we would say we're going away somewhere, he'd be like, yeah, coming back, aren't you? He'd be, he was very nervous oh, about it.
0: Oh, that's
1: hard. <laughs> but with yeah. that money, you've, I hope now, look, I've been checking out pictures of, of your property, but for people who don't sort of know that style of very South Australian architecture, is it the sandstone, the big wide verandas? Just sort of explain to us, Daniel, a little bit about, you know, what we'd see as we drove in the paddock to your place.
3: Yeah, so you're lucky enough to drive into um, a seventh-generation farming family to the district. And I'm lucky enough to have one of our own original stone houses. Uh, it's about 120 years old. So, yeah, she's a very basic house, big hallway down the centre, monster rooms. Our ceiling height's at 4.2 metres. Wow. And they just owned. <laughs> So um, any time yeah. anyone wants to do a renovation and come to my house, feel free.
0: Yeah. I'd to, I, I, I don't think I'd put my hand up to paint your ceilings. No. Just putting it out there. No. No. But seven generations. But no, Not many people get that. That's incredible.
3: It is. It is. So my boys are seventh and I'm sixth and I'm very lucky to be to the area for sure.
1: And have you done the kitchen yet? Because I've heard a rumour that the kitchens need a little bit of a renault for quite some time. So where are we at? Surely, surely you had to splash yeah. a little bit of that prize money.
2: <laughs> so we haven't as yet done anything with the kitchen. So I'm still, you know, making lunches on a four hundred wide bench top, which is not very fun when there's five of us in the kitchen. <laughs> Especially when but, you made you know, that
0: divine kitchen on the block, like, you know, was that very hard to give up and then go back to a 400, 400 mil benchtop?
2: I, I'm not going to lie, I'm jealous. I'm jealous I want it back. I want it back every day. I make lunches and I go, I just want my bench back.
3: It's very, it's very hard to come back building on a budget when you've been on the show and building to a large budget, if that's how you'd like to put it. But yeah, we have put plans in to redo this end of the house. So it's on the process, but yeah, great to see.
2: So that's very exciting. You know, it's, it's the hub. It's, you know, it's somewhere that we, you know, want to be and, be for a long time with our family, you know, to be able to entertain friends and family. So it's definitely something we'll, you know, be able to afford to do now that we have our block money. So yeah, like Daniel said, plans are in and we just need to play the waiting game now. And so
1: Joyce Country Builders, I'm really interested to know, you know, we talk about design and we talk about trends here on the uh, podcast with Shana. What sort of stuff are your clients approaching you with now? Like, I'm assuming there's other farms that have been in drought. You've had bushfires in the last sort of 12, 18 months. You know, are you getting those um, those calls for big reno projects and big builds or is it more on a modest scale where you are, Daniel?
3: Uh, I'm not going to lie. The phone has been getting a bit of a working over. However, lucky enough um, to win a little bit of money on the show, I was building to support a bad habit, my wife calls it, which is farming. <laughs> But now I'm full-time farming with my dad and, and my oh. brother. So I've put the tools down. The, the tool belt's been hung in the shed and yeah. I do a little bit for a few friends and family and then I've got a few of our own little renovational stuff we're doing. So unfortunately, Joyce Country Builders has been uh, dissolved.
0: Wow. But for a good cause, like, you know, to really what you were there for was for yeah support, the, uh-huh. you know, your country, environment, your family business, but also your children. So that's not a bad thing.
3: Oh, for 16 years I've supported the local towns around me there's three towns around us and thanks to the block I've been lucky enough to be able to hang up that belt now and focus on the family and farm
0: that's that's just the best outcome I love it it's so good to hear and, Jane, for yeah.
1: someone who might want to kind of create some of that country design style, and, Shana, you chip in here too, I've just sort of got a new country property and now just trying to hold back on, like, okay, you don't need more than eight wicker baskets in one room and that <laughs> rustic old table I pulled off the burn pile is um, good enough for me but maybe I'm going overboard. So how would you sort of advise someone in an older property that wants to get that country charm? Do you have to kind of be restrained or do you just think go for it, go rustic as
2: (laughs) I don't know do you want to I'll I'll take um, you start Jade I think
0: that'll be perfect you start
2: well I just think you need to be respectful of of the home that you're in you know obviously for us this is um you know 43 years of where Daniel's grandma and grandpa you know they they were here for that long so you know there's a lot of things that you know we wanted to keep in regards to our our house and our property and so I think you really need to be respectful of what you're working with. And I think that would be, you know, for any, any farm, you know, anywhere in the, in the world, you know, be respectful of of what is actually it's made of and, and the tradition and the, you know, the history behind it, because that's really important firstly, I think. And, you know, you can always put your modern twist, you know, on the house, whether that's, you know, putting an extension on the back or whether that's, you know, bringing that modern vibe inside, you know, but, I think it's, for me, it's, it's about heart and soul and being respectful.
0: Yeah, and that's why people love country homes. And I, I think the biggest thing of like, you know, what you're talking about, Jane, with, you know, wicker baskets and should I do this and should I do that? You, you've got to make sure you don't, put so much it becomes faux country charm that you know okay in the country they do lots of you know beautiful rattan baskets and distressed timber so I must do distressed timber and lots of baskets because then I will be country and it's the same as putting up plastic lace work like on the castle you you know faux country charm it, and you know what you said Jade about being authentic you, you've got to respect that the the space that you're working with doesn't mean you can't have all those things but when when you go overboard and they're not functional, they just become latent um, dust collectors and somewhere for all the spiders to gather. So, you know, instead of five or six, Jane, maybe just do two. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, have you ever pulled any antiques out of the old cellar
1: or, you know, places on the property? And, and do you have a bit of a thing for for objects that you know? I mean, seven generations, you know, who could resist great-grandpa's, you know, wool classing table or
0: something like that? Oh, I want that table.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, look, we've still got it hanging in the shed. But, um, look, in the old cellar, we don't utilise the cellar we've got here, but we have found a lot of old boots and bottles and stuff like that that old people have put in there or the old time put in there. But we've just left them down there thinking we don't want to disturb too much of the old history down there. We might just leave it and hopefully it will skip my generation and somebody else can have a look at it.
0: Just leave the ghosts for the moment, huh? <laughs> let's, let's <laughs> that's one way to look at it. <laughs>
2: We, you know, we've kept the, you know, the architraves and the skirting boards um, as the original ones that were in the house and the doors. So, you know, we'll continue to keep them. There was um, hooks down the hallway. We've kept we've kept half of the hooks that were down the hallway as well, which are quite significant to the house. There was, um, before Daniel's grandma and grandpa, there was actually, if I remember rightly, 16. No, 17, sorry, 17 people in the house. Wow. And there was 15. Fifteen children and mum and dad. That is ridiculous. I've I've bought a house
0: that I'm renovating and they raised 11 children. I was terrified of that. My goodness. Fifteen children. Every time I hear that, I just think, that poor woman's body.
3: Me too. Me too. We we
2: bought an extra TV pretty quick. Yeah. Good call and, and- uh, so you know it's yeah it's those sort of things that are yeah pretty cool and you know the thick stone walls you can't go past them either you know we're very lucky you know i think we um use that to our advantage in our house you know it's it's beautiful when it is um you know just nice days and then we get the the hot comes and you know it stays stays cool for quite a while because of those the brick that's here and the stone and it is we're, we're lucky you know we get the best of both worlds and i think you know we don't even have air conditioning would you believe we only have a big swampy on our roof and that does our house We're, you know we're very lucky we have lots of people say you know put in a big air conditioner and cool your house down in the summer and you know in the summer and you know make it hot you know during the winter but we are lucky because it is a stone home we're using that to our advantage you know to make things work as well And I
0: think that's just fantastic because it is that unique South Australian design style that should be celebrated as well. But the fact that, you know, it's actually environmentally conscious and it means that, you know, you're not wasting money on heating and cooling. So, yeah, you've got to celebrate that.
2: Yeah, I believe
1: so too. <laughs> and you've also um, got a little partnership I noticed on Instagram. You've been heading to some caravan and camping shows, so that must be kind of nice to head off the farm every now and then and go and meet some of your fans.
3: Look, it's awesome. We were lucky enough to join up with Camper Agent RV in Adelaide, and yeah, you know, we pick up our new caravan in another month or two. And yeah, you know, it's an awesome partnership, and we'll start doing a bit more work with those guys a bit more closely soon. And. The best bit about it is they send us away most weekends and we get to go travelling. So, uh, look, it's right up our alley, that one.
0: <laughs> that is so cool. And, you know, people aren't travelling overseas anymore, but people – I think caravanning and camping is, is really booming at the moment, so that that's a great one to be involved in. But celebrating our land, like, you know, for you to get that as, you know, an ambassadorship or a sponsorship since the block, you know – that's where you live you're all about the land so
2: that congratulations that's brilliant thanks shana yeah no we're we're really excited you know obviously it's a big part of us and has been um you know when we were children and growing up and and um, that was our, our scapegoat when Isla got sick. You know, we made a conscious effort to go away travelling as a family, you know, make every moment, you know, live it like your last and, you know, make memories as a family no matter, you know, what. So, yeah, for us, it's, it's a really, really huge part of what we, what we are and who we are. So, yeah, we're really excited to be, yeah, a part of Hitchhiker Team.
0: Are they going to let you pimp any of them? Mm. <laughs> I, I'd just put
2: that one out there, just saying, uh, we are from the
0: block. Uh we could pimp it. Some fish scale tiles in the bathroom. <laughs>
1: could work.
0: Could work. <laughs>
1: Oh, well, guys, it's been so great to catch up with you. I'm glad you finally had a chance to talk to Shana for a little longer than just a nod in the hallway. And, of course, if people want to check out uh, your new partnership and your life in general, Daniel and Jade on Instagram, I'm now following you because I want to see country life on the farm and those cute little calves you keep bringing home, Daniel.
3: Oh, yeah. I've got some special ones that are about <laughs> to go on there. So you enjoy Ooh, the next episode. Okay.
0: <laughs> special <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today on Homestyle. Thank you. So lovely chatting with you.
2: Thanks for having us. Say so goodnight, Jessie
3: Forrest. <laughs>
1: are the wonderful Daniel and Jade there from The Block 2020. You can catch up any and watch it all again if you didn't actually see that series of the show. Hey, Shayna, we've got a really quick listener question for you if you don't mind. And, of course, if you would like to ask Shayna a question, podcasts at sen.com.au. Kayla in Geelong is having a bit of a tile issue saying, Shayna, I ordered my tiles and chose them 18 months ago build has been delayed and it seems a lot of them are now out of supply does that mean i chose things that are going to be really out of fashion Or why? No.
0: (laughs) Can I just say that it's COVID. Hate to say it. Ah. It's COVID. Supplier issues are such a huge problem, and if that tile wasn't locally made, it means that it hasn't been able to shipped out. Be shipped out. A a lot of our tiles do come from Italy, and they do come from France. Not. Not a lot from China, but um, that's been the major difficulty of of getting supplies over here to Australia. Our manufacturing has been absolutely bursting at the seams and we don't have the stock. That's what it is. Okay, so, Kayla, rest easy. It doesn't mean (laughs) that
1: what you chose, now it's not in stock, is because no-one's still laying those tiles. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: If they were really ugly, yes, maybe that's it, but
1: I'm sure not. I'm sure Kayla has amazing taste. So any advice for people who are like just choosing now? Like should you choose something and buy it now or can you end up with boxes of tiles that aren't quite right?
0: Well, if you are buying now for 18 months in advance, no, I would wait. Unless Mm. it is specific like marble or something that's very um, bespoke. Definitely if it's bespoke, but always look at your contingency of, of ordering more because you, one, you will have breakages, breakages, one, you will have breakages, and also it could be a case that you'll change your mind and maybe extend or do something different. And um, I, I think ordering 18 months in advance when something isn't. Something that's completely personal and singular yours is probably too long. Yeah. You know, give yourself about eight months and then stockpile because then you still know that you love it. Okay.
1: Excellent advice. If you would like to ask Shana a question, send us an email, podcast at sen.com.au. This has been Homestyle, all thanks to Red Energy. Born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. Thank you, Shana. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jane.
3: Thanks for listening to Homestyle
0: with Shayna Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today.
1: If you've enjoyed listening to the Homestyle Podcast for red energy and you're keen to find out more about buying or selling your home, innovations in property management and real estate, we recommend subscribing to the Under the Hammer Podcast. It's a twice-monthly podcast all about real estate with me, Jane Neude, and Stavros Ampizidis, company director with O'Brien Real Estate. The Under the Hammer Podcast is proudly supported by Direct Connect, making moving easy for you. And if you're a real estate and interested in using Direct Connect, call 1300 664 715 to see how they can benefit you and your team. The Under the Hammer podcast.
3: Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts.